Will you join me in prayer? God, we know that your word, capital W word, is living and active in our midst. May we, we open to what you say to us today. May we hear it with joy as your changed and beloved people. And may we share it in thought, word, and deed. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. There is a time to fight. You ever had to fight? I'm not talking about, you know, uh, the Eagles, you know, it's going to be a heartache tonight meeting you in the parking lot. Uh, there was a sign that said, Jesus, 6 o'clock, parking lot, on the, on the sign. They were trying to uh, uh, promote uh, uh, worship, but it almost sounded like there was a fight that was going to happen, you know. Uh, have you ever had to fight? You ever had to fight for somebody or someone or something? Now, I'm the baby child. I just want everybody to get along, right? But sometimes, sometimes there's somebody or something to fight for. Sometimes Jesus calls us to fight not with weapons or swords. I saw on social media there was a guy, would you believe it, who taped a Bible to a baseball bat and tore down a Barbie doll house. Now, that's not what I'm talking about here, right? There's a time to fight, though. Jesus was in a fight, like a hard debate with the Pharisees before what Blythe read earlier. Jesus was in a toe-to-toe with these religious leaders who had a little clipboard and saw that he and his disciples were not washing their hands before they ate. Now, this is not where there was like a bathroom and you could go, you know, but they were not ceremoniously doing things. The checklist for these Pharisees, and it was not good enough for them. And he said, wait a second. It's not not what goes into the stomach, it's what comes out of the heart. And see, Jesus was willing to fight against a dead traditionalism that didn't bring life or light to anybody, Just a clipboard, a dead clipboard of do's and don'ts. And that to Jesus was worth fighting for. But fighting wears you out, doesn't it? I mean, fighting wears you out. When you take up the cause of somebody, I always have to take a nap afterwards because it's just, it's just, it burns, right? When you talk about speak up for justice or someone else, I mean, you really do have to take a rest. And Jesus was trying to take a rest. If you've been here the last three Sundays, he's been feeding the 5,000. And then he tried to go up to the mountain, but couldn't because a storm came. Had to walk out. He finally like, okay, now I'm going to get away. And Jesus thought to himself, I'm going to get away. I'm going to get out of the country where people won't recognize me. And maybe I can rest a little bit. Recharge the battery. After all this fighting I've had to do. And then he runs into Aaron Brockovich, you know. I mean, he runs into a fighter. This Canaanite woman, right? Now, you can see this really two different ways and maybe more. Because it's kind of troubling. Like, commentators are a little bit troubled by this 
conversation about Jesus sort of ignoring her and, and this to and fro. It was a little bit troubling. So on the one hand, you can see it this way through this prism. We find a very tired Jesus who's still grieving his own rejection in his own hometown. They try to throw him off a cliff. He's still grieving the death of his cousin, John the Baptist, just a few days after this. And he's still just, people are attacking him, the Jerusalem elite, the religious institution. And if it isn't these things, everybody wants to be healed by Jesus. And it's wearing him slap out. So he decides to go away to a land, formerly Israel's enemy, Canaan. Surely no one would bother him there. And then a woman comes barging in. And you almost feel like Jesus' human side comes out. He's just, he's just tired, you know. And he doesn't say anything. And he says the standard line about being Israel's Messiah. Hey, you know, I've come for the house of Israel. But the woman won't go. Because while Jesus is trying to find a place to rest, she's fighting for the life of her child. And buddy, I can guarantee you, a mom fighting for her child, there's nothing fiercer in this world but she knows something. She knows Jesus is Lord. She's not an Israelite. She's a foreigner. But she knows this. I don't know how. She calls him the son of David, which is a messianic term. You have come to save us. My daughter is being tormented by a demon. And I will not let you go until I find a blessing. She finds an opening, this banter going back and forth. She didn't really argue about what Jesus said. She just finds an opening. She says, look, even for lowly me, I'll just take a crumb, Jesus. I'll just take a crumb. Just give me a crumb. I'll take it. And all of a sudden, this revelation opens up. Maybe even to Jesus. Maybe he's starting to kind of got reminded by this Canaanite woman that he's not here for a nation. He's here for the nations. He's not just here for an ethnic group of people. He's here for everybody. Not just his own Jewish brethren and sisters, right? Even our ancient enemies. And Cana was an ancient enemy of Israel. Our children of God too. And Jesus somehow sort of changes his mind or, or decides now is the time or whatever. He's so impressed. He says, woman, your faith is great. How about that? Now, if, if that's what was going on here, if that's what happened, then it would suggest that any of us who follow his example of, of Jesus should be willing also to open up our hearts and our minds. To people who are battling so hard that they will settle for nothing less than Jesus. Even people we thought were our ancient enemies. Right? About how expansive God's grace in Christ can reach. God's arms are a lot longer than my arms. About how many surprising people may be claimed by the healing word of Christ. And that they too can find a space at the table. Didn't the country... Music singer talked about, let's get a bigger table, right? That's worth fighting for. Or, 
maybe, if that's too uncomfortable, maybe other people say, Jesus has been toying with the idea a while that his mission as Messiah would move beyond just caring for Israel. So he knew it all along. And maybe he knew that when he walked in another territory, that somebody's going to come up to him and he's going to have a little lesson here, a little object lesson. He knew foreigners brought gifts and worshipped when he was a baby. Jesus knew that in his very uh, genealogy that there were two women, one who was a prostitute, Rahab, and one who pretended to be a prostitute, who were right in his direct line. Great, 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 great grandmother. Matthew 1.3, Matthew 1.5, Rahab, Tamar. And maybe he knew that and it was time to let that out of the bag. But Jesus knew that his disciples were steeped in their tradition. And they weren't there yet. So even he tells them at one point, don't go to the land of the Gentiles. But then Jesus gets attacked and rejected by the Pharisees. And maybe he's thinking, now's the time. It's time to go to a foreign land. Jesus says it's time. And he sets off with a purpose in the land of Canaan, thinking that sooner or later, they're going to run into somebody. And here comes Aaron Brockovich, like I say. And he didn't do anything except what Jews would have thought was right for their Messiah to do. And when the woman keeps calling him Lord and not letting him go, and is willing to suffer even a derogatory term, because she loves her daughter that much and knows that Jesus can help, And when she says that zinger line, Jesus, I'll even take a crumb. You can almost see Jesus going right there. Y'all see it? Y'all see it? Great is this woman's faith. You see, it's not about just a little crumb. You know, it's not, not about the size of your faith. It's about the object of your faith. And she knew, she knew that Jesus could make a difference. Do you see? He says, do you see this woman? Do you see this great faith? Do you see how my mission must go beyond Israel? Do you see how my circle has to go wide and far? And there are going to be all kinds of people who are going to be reaching out for me. So there are two ways to see this story. But no matter where you look, the story gets to the same place. Jesus isn't just the Messiah of Israel. If that were the case, there'd be no hope for you and me. We are the outsiders. We are the Gentiles, you see? Now, there was, now I will have to say at one of my churches, I would always joke with him because he, grew, he was Jewish. But he came and he loved to hear the Gospels. And I always said, man, this is a great church because uh, there are two Jews that show up every Sunday at our church, right? Mike and Jesus, right? And so we always joke a lot about with him. But, but Jesus here is pushing out. And after all this, this is the, uh, Matthew's gospel, and it ends with the Great Commission where Jesus says to his disciples then and now, go make disciples of all of Israel? No. Go make of disciples of all the world. All nations, all races, races, all kinds of people. But then there's one, a third way, a third door we can go into, and I really like both of these. They, they, they get us to the same place, but here's the third thing. It's a story of a woman who fights for her daughter, and it's a story of a desperate faith. Now, if y'all have been keeping up with like our theme this, this month, it's been about a fulfilled life, living a fulfilled life. And I'll tell you, being desperate doesn't sound very fulfilling to me. But I tell you, when I've been desperate, 
My focus has been clear as can be, and I have seen Jesus every single time. You see, because a desperate faith is a faith with a purpose. If I'm desperate for someone else, for myself, and I need Jesus, and I need to get, nothing can stop me, not a bunch of bumbling disciples, not even a little silence by Jesus. Nothing's going to stop me if I'm desperate enough. Because desperate faith is an active faith. It's not like, oh, you know, I want a job and I'm just kind of watching TV or something. You know, I'm not doing anything about it with a remote control. A desperate faith is that I believe God for it and I'm not going to stop until it happens. And I'm going to keep walking toward Jesus. Desperation sometimes calls you to a fight. And just like in our hymn book, I'm not talking about traditional means of warfare. Just like the hymn that we sang. We're talking about love and mercy and patience. And compassion and kindness, that is what we do. We don't tape a Bible to a baseball bat. We open it up and live it out. And let God's light so shine through us so that even the most desperate in this world know that they too are loved by Jesus and there is no boundary He wouldn't walk over for them, for you, for me. That's the faith we're fighting for. Have you ever been desperate? A desperate faith is the faith of this Canaanite woman who pushes the envelope and will not take no for an answer. And Jesus says, great is your faith. A desperate faith is not picky. If I had a medical, or if anybody here had a medical emergency, we've got our little defibrillator. I know that I pumped the chest 30 times to stay in alive, I think. I think that's the BG song. So I know what I'm going to do. And when I call 911, I'm not going to say, hey, can you all send a Methodist here to help us out? Would you want me to do that? I'll take whoever, whomever will come. I want to keep you alive and I want to stay alive, right? That's what I want to do. You've been paying attention. When we talk about fulfillment, there's almost not a better gift than to have a desperate faith at times. To wake up to what God is doing instead of just sort of sleepwalking through life. We can all do that. Like they say, even a dead fish can swim downstream. But what are you going to do with God's compassion and with your love? How are you going to fight? How are you going to fight? You know, there's a few people here, fourth Wednesday of the month, they fight on behalf of those who don't have homes or food. They go to Grace Place and they feed folks and they walk up to the table and they say what is what is your name we've got a group of people fighting for our youth and our children who said okay I'll do it I'm really busy but I'm going to jump in because they're worth fighting for right we've got all kinds of ways to fight the good fight and all I'm asking you to do is pick one right what's God put on your heart who who is the underdog because you know God loves underdogs, right? Now, we're about to start football season. And I know this doesn't apply to Alabama and Georgia fans. But most of us are going to be, most of the teams we're pulling for are going to be underdogs. Who is the underdog in your life? Who's God put there that you can be an Aaron Brockovich for? What you going to do? Not too long ago, and some of you know who this is, so I'm going to change up the names a little bit. But a friend of mine, she lost her husband 
She asked me to do the, do the funeral. And it was about a month or two ago. And the guy was everybody's best friend. He was the life of the party. You know? He'd show up. And uh, everybody loved this guy. We'll call him Ed. Everybody loved Ed. And he just was a uh, big heart. And, uh, and he tragically, he died suddenly. Um, um, although he did have some heart issues. And his wife, we'll call her Mary. Um, hundreds of people showed up that day at his funeral. And there she was at the casket of the man she loved. And there were hundreds of great stories about Ed. Oh, i got a great story about Ed I want to share you about. This is so, oh, we're going to miss Ed. We're going to miss Ed. We're going to miss Ed. But then one person out of those 400 people that saw her, they looked at her and they said, you know, I work at a nurse, as a nurse at that hospital. And that woman told her, told Mary, said, I have never seen somebody fight as hard as you did for your husband. I thought you were going to get arrested. They almost called security because you knew that Ed needed more care in that hospital room. And I will never forget that. And do you know that Mary told me after the funeral, she says, I will never forget. I needed to hear somebody tell me that I fought. What you fighting for? Who are you fighting for? What underdog are you fighting for? You see, we got to learn how to fight like Jesus. With love, mercy, and patience. Don't let other people get you down or turn you cynical. We're not even fighting against anything. For the fight is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities and powers. Who are you fighting for? Don't tell me who you don't like. Tell me who you love. Tell me who you'd risk for. And then I'll tell you who you are. That'll tell me exactly who you are. Jesus, of course, is fighting for you and for me. You know, you are worth fighting for, for God. That is the gospel truth. Whatever you're going through, whatever battle you have to... God is right there, right beside your side. And truly, all you got to do is just take that and just share that with somebody else. There was a man in a small group on Thursday mornings, and his, his wife's tire was flat. She called him. It was his day off, and he said, he said I'll come out. It was at Target. He goes to Target, but he's in his PJs. And, uh, and he, he told his wife, take my car. I'll, I'll, I'll fix the flat. And there was a guy in a truck driving by. He said, man, you need some help? He said, no, no, I can do it. I can, I can do it. It was hot. He was sweating in his pajamas. You know, looked, looked pathetic. No, man, I'll help you. And so he said, no, I, I got it. But he said the guy parked in his truck, got out, and he said, not two months ago, I had a flat. Somebody helped me. I'm just paying it forward. You see, that man made that other guy remember that he was worth fighting for. Who are you fighting for? Sometimes you got to know when to fight. Sometimes you got to know when to fight and know that sometimes fights are worth having. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness with the Lord. The righteous judge will give me on that day. And not only me, but also to all who have longed for it. What are you fighting for? 
Learn to do good, it says in Isaiah. Seek justice, rescue the oppressed, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. Which means fight like you know what for the underdog. And you will be fighting the Jesus fight. Let us pray. Oh Lord God, how quickly we forget that everybody's fighting a battle. Give us the wisdom, God, to know when to stand up and not take no for an answer. Help us to find the widow and the orphan and anybody in this world who might be invisible. Help us, God, to take them to Jesus in however way we can. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. I invite us as we close our worship to... uh, um, if there's anybody who would wish to join the church, to join this family, you are certainly welcome to come forward. Pray for those. There are many who are thinking about it. So the next few weeks, I think we're going to see that. But let us stand and sing our closing hymn.